Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Come on, why don't you turn in your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Kings 18, 1 Kings 18. We're going to come around the Word of God. I'm reading from the NIV, and it should come up on the screen in just a moment. It's great to be back with you this week. I was away last, last um, Sunday in Snowdonia, and so I was speaking on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, did four sessions over the weekend, uh, and just speaking into the life of the church. They were on a retreat in Snowdonia. It was great to be in Wales, uh, very, very hilly compared to here. Uh, but God really moved powerfully. We saw God touch many lives. And uh, I was just impacted myself as I, as I drove. It was about a five and a half hour journey back Sunday evening. But God really moved. We saw healings. We saw people getting rid of their walking sticks, walking up, up, upstairs for the first time in years. And uh, even contacting their husband, asking them to consider putting stair lifts on eBay. Come on. So if you need a stair lift, well, no, you don't need a stair lift. We'll pray for you at the end. But praise God. For what he's doing, amen? First Kings 18 verse 15, it says this, Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Abadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Verse 18 Elijah says, I have not made trouble of Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab went, sent word, sorry, throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. What you say is good. I preached on this before from this scripture. And, um, and I want to just come back to it again today because I really believe that the Lord may want to speak to you today and some individuals in some way or another. The key verse that I want to just spring from here is in verse 21. And it says this, Elijah says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. I don't know about you, but in your life sometimes when trouble comes and challenges come and difficulties come, we can often get ourselves in a place where we 
waver between two opinions. I mean, I think that what the enemy wants for us often is for us in our time of difficulty, in our times when we're walking through the storms, is to kind of be wavering between, is God with me? Is God for me? And uh, or, or can I put my trust in something else? And what happens is our faith becomes weakened because we end up being in this situation where we waver between a double opinion. And I want to talk to you today about what that means for us because I believe that God doesn't want us to be in a double opinion. He doesn't want us to be in between. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm in our faith. Because when we're lukewarm, we make the wrong decisions. We start to have influence from other things. And some of you probably think today, well, that scripture is Old Testament. We're not serving uh, Baals and these gods that you're referring to. And it talks about the 850 prophets, the 450 prophets of Baal and the, the 400 prophets of Asherah. Uh, and you're probably thinking, I don't have any other, other gods and, and idols. But can I just say something to you? Every one of us today have modern day gods and idols. We have things, and and let me tell you, what these things are this, it's not that you've got some golden statue in your house right now. It's not that you've got something that you go down and bow down and worship. But what it is, is it's anything that sets itself up against Christ. It's anything in your life that becomes higher as a greater influence over your life. And let me tell you, this is serious stuff because the reality is this, that through your life, You're going to have sometimes often decisions you make that the flesh begins to interfere with those decisions. It was mentioned earlier in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 talks about that the flesh is contrary to the spirit. Come on. Some of you right now, you're walking in the spirit and then all of a sudden you begin to take some sidesteps. You begin to take sidesteps because things in your life, the gods, the idols are things that set themselves up above Jesus. And then what we do is we begin to make decisions based on that. I want to encourage you today that God wants you in a place where you say, my heart is, is not, un, it's not divided, it's undivided. It is unto you, Lord. It is singular. It is all for Jesus. Come on. It's not something that's split because a double-minded person is never going to make the right decisions. And so I just want to say from the outset today, the Holy Spirit, I really believe, wants to breathe upon you today and encourage you because some of you are in these places of limbo where you can't make the right decisions. You can't make the right decisions because there is decisions in the flesh that you can make and decisions in the spirit. Let me tell you, God will always give you his wisdom. I've preached on this recently. He'll give his wisdom freely. The question is, will you respond to it? Will you respond to what he says over your life? You see, the problem is today is there's too many choices. And the devil knows that if he can get you into a place of choice and options... And say, you know, you, you, you got this option or you could have this. I mean, my, my children, we went to a theme park recently. And I went into this theme park and you could go back for seven days. You pay the ticket price and went in and then you could return for seven days. And it wasn't long. You know, my, my kids, they're always looking at the stalls, the things, the attractions and stuff. And my son, one of my sons, he likes uh, the slushies. And we went up to this slushy thing. You had an option. You can either buy a container where you can have refills all week for a lot cheaper or you can just buy a one-off. And my son says, I want the refill carton, Dad. I want to keep coming back. But we, we queued up and we, we, we were queuing up in this line. And, and I saw all of these different flavors, slushies. My son was in such a dilemma. 
of which one we were going to choose. And I'm like, just choose any. You've got all week. You can try every one every day. But he was in a dilemma as he reached the front. I could see the tension of, I don't know whether to choose raspberry. And then I said, well, look, they're mixing them. And then they began to mix these things. And all of these flavors mixed together. And it's sometimes like that for you and for me. That in our lives, what happens is we walk through our Christian life. And there are so many choices and options that Satan puts before us that we end up mixing the flavors. We don't live singular for God. And we end up to mixing these choices together and then wonder why some of the outcomes that we get in our lives don't work for us. I mean, I don't know about you, I've made a mess sometimes. I've tried to do things my way. And some of you right now today, God is going to speak to you today because God is asking you to do something in his way, his commands, his voice. But you've chose to allow other things in. You've chose to allow other influences in. And you say, no, I want a mix of all flavors. That, that's what I want. Deuteronomy chapter 5 talks about the, the Ten Commandments. It says we're making a God in our own image. You, you should not have no other gods before me. And some of us, what we do is we create the God that we want. We create the flavors we want. Oh, I'll have a mix of that. I'll have a mix of this. And I want to say to you today, God wants your heart undivided. Undivided unto him. How long will you waver between two opinions? The title of the message today is this, Double Trouble. Double Trouble. When King Ahab saw Elijah in verse 17, he says this to him. Check this out. He says, is that you, troubler of Israel? It's interesting that when you reject God's commands, you get trouble. You see, what he does is he blames Elijah and says, you are the troubler. You are the one that... Even though he's the one who's decided to change and bring in lots of flavors and have a bit of God and have a bit of Baal and have a bit of a Shear and all get around um, the, the table together. All of these options, but yet he says, you're the troubler. How many of you know that often in our lives what happens is when we make the wrong decisions, we blame others? We blame others because things didn't work for us. And so we turn around on others and say, this is not working for me, so I'm going to blame blame you and Elijah he's getting the blame he's the troubler but Elijah wasn't the problem it's their rebellion that was Elijah was never the problem it's their rebellion from God's commands we have lots of gods today I don't know about you today but you can have gods in in all the things that you're doing tv come on too much tv netflix you know, you, you, you can, I mean, this, these days there's so much to watch, isn't there? There's so many options out there that are distracting you from that, div, that, that undivided attention to God. So many things that demand your attention. Relationships, lusts. Some of you right now are saying, I want this for me. And you're saying, God, I want this relationship. I want this for me. And God's saying, it's not right. Because I want, you div- I want you for me. I want you to be devoted to me. And Because listen, God is a jealous God for you, I'll tell you. He's that jealous he sent his son to die for you. You're saying today, oh God doesn't love me. I'm telling you 2,000 years ago, God sent his son. And he died for you to show you how jealous he is of you. But some of us, oh no, I want a bit of this and a bit of that. 
We're double-minded. James 1 verse 8 says this. A double-minded person is unstable in all they do. You're saying, why is my life unstable? Why is my life in this storm a mess? I'll tell you why. Because if you're double-minded, if you read the word of God, you understand what God's saying and then you walk away from it and forget it. You're unstable. You're double-minded. Jesus said, speaking on money, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. This is speaking on money, but I believe it has a major context to everything in our lives. He says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, whatever in life really... Because you can put this context on everything. If you, you cannot have two masters, you're going you're to be so focused on one that you'll despise the other. Some of you right now, you can come here and you can raise your hands and pretend to worship Jesus. But actually the reality is, Jesus is not your master. I mean, there's one thing about Jesus being our saviour, but him being the Lord of our lives is a very different thing. Oh, he's my saviour. He saved me. But yet you go home and you're not as bothered about Jesus when no one sees you. You'll love one and despise the other. You'll hate the other. You'll not want to, to give your life to one and then the other one the same amount because you can't be divided. In Revelation it talks about that. It talks about being lukewarm. Come on. Lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be on fire for Jesus. Come on. I don't want to be divided. I don't want to be double-minded. I want everything that Jesus has for me. And I want everything that Jesus has for you. Hallelujah. The message version says this in Matthew 6. You can't worship two gods at once. It's interesting that even though they didn't choose the God of Israel... They still had another two gods on, Asherah and Baal. They were focusing on, they were so mixed up, they got so many different flavors going on. And then they blame Elijah, the true prophet of God, and say, you're the trouble. Some of you have been going around bitter and angry because life isn't working out for you. The decisions you made are not turning out the way you thought they would. Let me tell you, you need to look in the mirror. Stop coming and blaming everyone else. I'm sorry if I'm a little bit hard today, but it's the truth. The one thing you'll find here, we preach the truth. Because the truth will set you free. So some of us today, we're blaming. We're saying, oh, I did this, I did that, and it's not working. Listen to me. You've got to look in the mirror and say, who is my God? Who's the Lord of my life? Who's in control? Hallelujah. John 14, 1. This is a great promise from Jesus. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. It's interesting what he's trying to say. He's trying to bring their double-mindedness of, is Jesus God Or is he just a special prophet? No, you believe in God, then also believe in me because actually we are one. 
You can't be. You can't split this into two. I'm not just a special prophet. I'm not just a special carpenter that's been doing a few miracles. I want to unify you into one place that tells you that today if you're a Jew, that I am the God, says Jesus. I'm bringing your double-mindedness that, that Satan will try to tell you that I am not God. I'm just a special person. But I'm unifying that to bring that single-mindedness to who I am. I want to tell you today that Jesus can ease a troubled mind. He can ease a troubled mind. Some of you right now, you're in limbo. You don't know whether God exists. You don't know what to believe. You've heard that many different things. And we heard it from Toy earlier. There's so many different options out there. Forget the options for a moment. Come to the truth. Come to the truth and stop blaming others. Number one is this, that God's voice, God's voice corrects ignorance of our conscience. It corrects ignorance of our conscience. First Kings 18 verse 18, Elijah responds to King Ahab and he says this, I have not made trouble for Israel. So this is his response. You calling me the troubler? I'm telling you now, I'm, the, I'm bringing the voice of God. I've not made trouble for Israel, but you and your family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. The trouble was brought on by themselves. In other words, he says this. I mean, he turns around, single prophet, turns around and says, you know, all you lot, you got it wrong. You, you're calling me the troubler? You're calling me the truth. You're the ones that the reason why it's all not working for you is because you've abandoned the true voice. You've abandoned the true voice. Now, I don't know. It must have took a lot of strength for Elijah to stand up to all these people. And that's a big thing. But you've got to know that what you're saying is true. Otherwise, you're going to be dead. You know, you got to, some of us right now are saying, I don't know whether I can stand up in front of people and declare my faith and say, this is what I believe. Let me tell you, Elijah stood up before 850 says, call them. This is how much he knew. Because when God plants it in your heart and he sets it in your heart of who he really is, you don't need to debate it over anyone. You know, you know who your God is. The trouble is we... We blame it on ourselves. We look for fault in others. We, we try to find fault in others. You know, just recently I moved into a house and the boiler wasn't working. I, I couldn't get this boiler working. It was a new, newish boiler. Every reason to work, but it wouldn't work. And so I was wanting the heating on. I was trying to dry clothes and I could not get this thing working. The lady who, who handed me the keys when I rented this property, she told me the instructions. You know, you know when someone tells you something, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And I was stood there and I took all the instructions and she told me everything. And I was, I was excited about other things. I'm like, looking, I want to unpack the box. I don't want to listen about the boiler. Boring. How many of you know that sometimes important information that you dismissed becomes really important later? And so I dismissed it. And for a long time, I had half of my family trying to work out how the boiler worked. No one could make it work. So I phoned them up and eventually they sent someone around and the guy comes in. And he walks over and he said, uh, what's the problem? I says, well, I've been complaining for a long time. Someone needs to fix this. I, you know, I, gotta, I had to ask God for forgiveness after. I'm not that perfect. And he, and he come up and he said, uh, he says, what about this? Have you used this? And he picked up this wireless thermostat. You see, we'd not, I didn't realize that this whole thing had gone into the cloud, you see. 
I'm still standing on earth there in the class. He says, have you, have you not used this little device here? And I goes, and I remembered, uh, you know when you kind of remember something triggers in your mind? I remember the lady holding that. And I just thought, oh, why are you holding that? Stop talking to me. I want to open the boxes. I want to get the TV out. And he says, have you used this? I said, what is it? It's a thermostat. It's a wireless thermostat. I said, do you just need to set the temperature and it'll work? He pressed about three buttons and the whole thing came on. I said, thank you very much. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. See, some of us, sometimes we're going around blaming everyone else when we didn't listen in the first place. We, we, we heard the commands. You see, what you find here is that what's happening is they're rejecting what they've already heard. They've forgot it so much that now they're saying, hang on, there's a problem here. The boiler ain't working. It's your problem. It's your fault, Elijah. And he's saying, no, 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 it's not. You didn't listen to the instructions to start with. And now you're wandering around, wondering why your boiler in life ain't working. You're wondering why things aren't functioning. It's because you were told the truth, but you didn't listen. You see, you've got to listen to the truth and you've got to apply the truth. You've got to listen to his voice and you've got to act on it. Because listen to me, if you don't act on it, you'll not do anything in life for God. You're going to find yourself in some sticky situation. You're going to say, then you're going to be saying, God, why didn't you help me? And he's saying, you never listened in the first place. Come on, you know it's true. Then we play that blind game again. The blame game. And then we become blind. C.S. Lewis says this, disobedience to conscience makes conscience blind. Wow. You know, you know in your heart that conscience, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some people today. You know God has told you to do some things and you've, you're, you're fighting with everything you can to not do what he's asked you to do. I mean, you, you have a prophetic conference and people love the prophetic conferences, but when God really tells you to do something and you don't do it, you've got problems. I'm waiting for God to confirm it. No, God has told some people clearly. And even this week, God has been reminding you daily, this is what I said. This is what I said to you. Don't walk in any other path other than this. And you say, no, 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 I want to try it this way. Listen to me. You've got to listen to the first voice that spoke to you. Because that voice is God. And some of you right now are saying, I don't know if I can hear God's voice. I'm not a prophet. God, you know when you can hear God. Your conscience. And what happens here is that, that as, as Ahab comes and representing these people, he's essentially saying, I blame you. But actually the reality is he's ignoring his conscience. In other words, you know the truth, but you're ignoring it. You're ignoring it. And that is why you have problems. Ephesians 4 verse 18, Paul's speaking of unbelievers. He says this, they are darkened in their understanding. And separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Wow. A hardened heart makes a darkened mind. If you've got a hardened heart, you're going to become dark in your mind. You're going to be split in your mind. The more you get hardened in your heart, you're going to start to blame others and then you're going to become blind. You're going to play the blame game and then you'll have the blind game problem. You're not going to see the way that you should see. And, and can I just say this? Because a lot of people think when God speaks to you, is God, is God is going to be really nice. Can I just say sometimes, my dad, when I was growing up in church, talk about treasure kids. You know, at the time, I used to be took out and I'd go, I'm a nice big smack if I was not in church. 
And I thank God for it. I thank, I thank God and thank God for my dad who brought me up that way. Maybe you don't agree with that, but I'm glad he, he did because I love my dad so much. But I was taught how to respect and, and, and be in church. And, um, and I, love, I love my dad. And so I, I want to just say this, that God sometimes, God's voice sometimes, listen to me very clearly, will trouble you. Oh, no, it won't. God brings peace. Yes, he brings a peace that surpasses all understanding. It guards our hearts and our minds. But also, he will trouble you. And some of you right now have been troubled by God. Can I just say that? You've been troubled by God, and you're blaming others. You're doing everything you can to fight it. You're doing everything you can to surrender your life to Jesus. But you know the truth. You know the truth. Do you know what? I don't have to convert anyone. People say, oh, you, you try and convert. I don't have to convert anyone. I preach the truth. Holy Spirit will touch your heart. He'll speak to you. I don't have to do his work. Come on. He'll, tr- he'll trouble, listen, he'll trouble a double mind. That's what he does. Why? Do you know why? Because he just wants to bring you to a place where you're going to succeed. He wants every good thing he has for you. Do you know the other week we had John Glass here, and I love the prayer he said at the end. I think he said it was on his mirror. He said, Lord, we pray this simple prayer that you will give me everything good that you have for me. Now, if you want that, he's going to trouble you when you start going off course. He's going to trouble you. So you've got to get ready for the troubling of God. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Well, if you're troubled by him, he's leading you to something great. Come on. He's leading you to something amazing. Now, look at the example of Jonah himself. Jonah, in the Bible, he gets a word from the Lord. He's got to go to, he, he's got to, go to Nineveh and preach, which is now modern-day Iraq. And he doesn't want to go. He doesn't even want to see these people saved. It's not his desire to do that. He doesn't want to see uh, them turning in repentance. He doesn't want to see it. So what does he do? He heads to Joppa to try and get to Tarshish and get away from this whole thing. So he rejects God's command. How many of you know that he had a bit of trouble? How many of you know that he had a bit of a bad journey? How many of you know he wanted a refund for that one? I mean, I got on a ship and I ended up in, in, in the stomach of a fish? Can I just say, it's going to get messy if you reject God's voice. It's going to get messy. And Jonah, he, he disregards that and he goes down. I think it was J. John I heard recently say this great thing. He says that every time you get to your job or every time you get to that place of decision, there's always transportation. There's, the devil will always provide a boat for you. Oh, a, have you noticed that? Every time that, there's a, that, that God has brought you to that place of test, there's always a boat lined up. There's always a bit of transportation. There's always something attractive that looks better, that looks easier. And some of you right now are that, you're at, you're at that chopper. You're at that place and you're saying, I, I want God's plan for my life. I want his future. And God is saying, do not get on that boat. Yeah, but it's nice. Look at it. I don't have to go to Nineveh. I don't, I don't want to speak to them. Find someone else. And he rejects. And look what happens. You see, active rebellion invites act, attractive options. Active rebellion invites attractive options. 
Some of you right now have got some attractive options. Because the devil is good at attractive options. And he'll always do that in a heart of rebellion. If there's a heart of rebellion, you've just made place for him. If there's a heart of rebellion, you're saying, I want a boat. And I'll get on any boat because I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way. And let me tell you today, there's only one way that's going to work for you. God's way. God's way for your life. James 4, 17 says this. If anyone there knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. You know the good you ought to do right now. And I'm not talking about helping someone with the shopping bags next week. Come on. Oh, I'm good. I'm a good person. I don't care how good you are. Have you given your life to Jesus and surrendered and recognized that you're guilty of sin and you need a savior? You need a Lord of your life to direct you. Come on. No, no, but I did this. I gave to Oxfam last year. I don't care. You can do all these great things, but it won't save you. Do them as well, but don't let them be the basis and foundation of your life. You need God. You need Jesus. Anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it. It is a sin for them. Good options, listen to me, good options are not necessarily attractive options. Do you know that? When God presents something to you, what he wants you to do, tell me, was it attractive to to Jonah? No. But it was what he wanted for his life. And let me tell you, when you, if you want God to use you and to totally give your life to him, you're going to have to do things sometimes you don't like doing. Oh, hang on. No, I, I, I thought when I give my life to Jesus and I surrender, I've got this perfect plan for my life. He knows the plans he has for me and it's going to be absolutely amazing. It will be great, but it's not about comfort. I've realized something, the more and more I surrender to God and ask for his plan and will for my life, I'm I'm realizing that it's nothing to do with what I thought. Oh, but I want it to match my plans. No, it's not your ambitions. You've got to lay your ambitions down. You've got to lay your plans down. You've got to say, God, I want what you want for me. Come on, there's three amens then. Amen. Amen. Number two, God's voice carries authority over popularity. It carries authority over popularity. It says this in verse 19 of 1 Kings 18. Elijah says this, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. He says that really Elijah was the only one true prophet speaking to 850. Come on. Listen to me. These prophets had a great social media following. These were the ones to follow. I was watching on um, X Factor Celebrity last night with my children. Two young teenagers come up to sing. And they sound pretty good actually. They get up to sing and before they sing they give their background and they said, we've got eight million, something like eight or eight and a half million social media followers. Two teenagers. Eight million people listening to what they have to say. I wish eight million people had grabbed hold of what Jesus has to say. Come on. So many people are looking at these people. 
that they've got all the answers. Eight million people. And someone said, oh yeah, they've already got a great following. And I realized something that in our lives that sometimes what we do is this. We follow the people. We follow the attractive popularity. You see, the tendency was at this time and this season where Elijah stands and summons one prophet, summoning, saying, come and meet me on Mount Carmel. And he summons all of these popular figures, all of these ones who've got a great social media following. He says, come up and listen to me. Do you know what I find interesting? That authority of God can summon up 850 fake people. Because it's not about numbers with Jesus. Jesus ain't interested in numbers. He's interested in his power. And listen to me. When you in your life are going through, you can follow the popularity of others. Because what everyone else is saying. And have you noticed sometimes people follow people just because everyone else follows them. But they don't really know what they believe. I mean, they're all hanging around Jezebel's table having a nice meal together. And probably thinking, I don't really know why I'm here. Are we supposed to be with Asherah, Baal, God of Israel? What's going on? But yet the authority of God calls them from that place. It brings them to Mount Carmel. Because God's in control. Hallelujah. Brings them up. They can't write a few tweets for a while because they've got to go to Mount Carmel. They've got to realize something. Because when God's authority comes, listen to me, he shows who's popular. And I want to say to you today, right now, God's voice in your life that's speaking to you. Some of you are saying, yeah, but I want to do what the world's doing. I want to say what they're saying. I want to say the same language of what they're saying. I want to do what they're doing. Listen to me. Don't follow the popular. Don't follow it. Popularity has to take a back seat. It has to take a back seat. Some of you, oh, no, no, I want to be with the crowd. Listen to me, you young people, you young students, young adults, listen to me. You want to follow what others are doing? Listen to me, the best thing you can do is follow Jesus. The devil will get you in a place where you want to follow what others are doing. You just need to follow what he says. Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Hallelujah. Come on. You see, the problem is this. Sometimes when you choose God's authority voice over the popularity of the world, sometimes you have to make decisions that people don't like. Sometimes you have to go against the grain. King Xerxes in Esther chapter 6. Esther has been calling people to fast, calling people to pray. Mordecai is getting involved. They're all fasting and praying for the, for, for, for the Jews. That no annihilation will take place. And she stands before the king and we, that beautiful story happens. But in Esther 6 verse 1 I think it is. It says that King Xerxes, he says that night the king could not sleep. <laughs> he ordered the book of Chronicles, the record of his reign to be brought to him and read to him. How many of you know that he couldn't sleep for a reason? How many of you know that God's voice will trouble a mind? How many of you know that when God wants to change something in someone, he'll trouble them? And do you know something? One bad night's sleep, one interrupted night's sleep for King Xerxes saved the Jews. 
Come on, some of you right now, you're saying, I had a bad night last night. The Lord, I think, is troubling me. You've got to respond to that. Because even if you have to respond and you have to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do the right thing in this situation. I'm going to do what God is calling me to do rather than what I want to do in the flesh. When he got up, he had to, he had to do what he had to do with Haman. He had to do everything he had to do to save those Jews. And people were probably saying, what are you doing? But he went against the grain. You see, when God's authority, his voice wakes him up. When he speaks to him in the night. And I love he looks through that book of Chronicles. And all of a sudden, he sees, ah, oh, hang on a sec. Mordecai, he helped me once. From being assassinated. This is what it says. And that's what God does. He's got that sweet gentle voice. The sweet gentle voice that wakes you in the night. And it reminds you what you're supposed to be doing. And some of you right now. He's not going to appear at the bottom of your bed Jesus. And you're going to see him in a vision. But you'll hear that sweet gentle voice. Some of you know it already. You've been woken up troubled. Because you're doing the wrong thing. You're walking the wrong path. You get involved in the wrong stuff. You keep going back to that sin and you shouldn't do it. And the, the gentle, sweet voice of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't condemn you. He'll convict you. He'll say, sister, brother, son, daughter. You are better than that. You're better than that. You were not made for that. Come on. Change your way. Change your way. Change your way because you know the truth. King Xerxes woke up and he changes everything. One interrupted sleep changes his mind and he changes his mind against popularity of the day. See, our decisions have the power to change the course of our lives, don't they? And have you noticed something? The devil will always come in in vulnerable places. He'll always come in and try and attack those vulnerable places in our lives. Trying to make you make the wrong decision. Trying to get you to make the wrong decision. I remember I've shared this story before. Where I once, I was looking for a digital camera online. I went onto Tesco's website. And I was buying this digital camera. And I noticed that Tesco had made a massive mistake. Massive mistake. They had put a camera on there that was worth about three, four hundred pounds for 50 pounds. And I bought one. And then I thought, actually, I'll buy six. Because <laughs> if you know me, I like eBay. And I did. Man, I had thousands of pounds of camera on order. For a few hundred pounds. It's a full-on Del Boy situation. I, I'm like, this is, this is an option for me. And I bought them. And the Lord troubled me. The Lord troubled me and said, you are trying to get these cameras based on someone else's error. And I had a troubled night. <laughs> I must admit, I toyed with the idea for a long time of what to do. Because in my mind is, I can make money. Someone's made a mistake. I'm going to cap it. I was a pastor as well then, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to capitalize on your mistake to get some money. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. They put it at that price. I'm going to buy them. And I did. I bought them. And I phoned them up the next day. And they said, oh, they're, they're on delivery. They're coming to you. 24-hour dispatch. They're on their way. 
they've been, they said they're, they're packing them, they're going to be sent. And I'm, I must admit, I'm like, Lord, what do I do? I was sweaty and hot. <laughs> I want the cameras, but if I take the cameras, how can I live with this? And he, and he said to me, he goes, yeah, you got them. He, goes, he said to me on the phone, he says, yeah, you got them. He goes, they shouldn't have been at that price. We've had to amend it. It's a, a major fault on the website. We've changed the price now, but there's, no, there's nothing we can do, he said. You've got them at that. We have to sell them. And I sat there and the conviction of the Holy Ghost came upon me. You know when you don't want it to? But it does. The gentle, sweet voice of the Holy Spirit said this. Tell him that he can have all the cameras back. And I, 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 I fought with the phone. <laughs> and I said to him on the phone, I said, I know you might think, think this sounds crazy. And of course I do as well. I said, but I'm a born-again Christian. I said, and I don't think it's right to take them cameras from you. He said, what? He said, mate, he goes, they're yours. He didn't care. He was off to Barbados the next week. He didn't care. He said, mate, I'd keep them if I was you. I said, no, no, no. He said, you don't understand. It's not about you. It's about the fact that I am capitalizing on your error. I said, and you can have them all back. I said, can you take them back? He goes, well, actually, they haven't been sent yet. He checks. He said, we can stop it still. I said, can you take it? I said, and he said, and he said this to me. It's interesting. He said this. He said, you can, you can maybe have, do you want just one of them? Do you want just one? <laughs> and I, I, I'm there thinking, maybe that's an option. <laughs> One's not so bad. I can sneak that under the Lord's radar. It's not so bad, is it, when receiving eight cameras through the post? And listen, have you noticed? The devil will always twist it because one camera is the same as eight. What does he say in Genesis? Did God really say? If he can get to twist one little thing, that's all he's got on you. It's a foothold that what becomes a stronghold. You don't want to, let, you don't want to give the devil a foothold because you'll get a stronghold in your life. And so I, I said, as much as I'd love one, I'll, I'll have another shop around. And I was, do you know what I was doing when he, I remember this? When he was tell, offering me that camera, I was looking at the website page, seeing it full price. <laughs> Thinking, oh, if I say no, I've got to rebuy this at that price. And I actually said to him, I said, no, you can keep it. Keep it. And then I cried for about an hour. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, our decisions have the power to change the course of our lives. They have, the they have the power to influence our lives. Come on. We've got to protect. Come on, some of you right now, you've got to know when God speaks to you, you've got to act. And sometimes, you know what? It's in milliseconds. You've got milliseconds to decide. And the devil loves that. He loves it when you're right on that brink. And you have to make a decision there and then. But listen to me. You want God's power flowing through you. You want him to use you in the way he wants to use you. Then you've got to start making decisions like that and giving up things. Because listen, if you do, he'll bless you. He'll absolutely pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. What does it say? Is it Malachi? It talks about the blemish sacrifices. You know, some of us are like that. Oh, Lord, look, I, I have done something good, but actually the, the sacrifice we've got is blind. It's, it's, it's an animal that's blind. Oh, God will not see that. He'll see my... No, he knows. He knows the motive of every heart in this room. Can't hide it from him. 
He knows our motives. And some of us, what happens is we, we disregard and we say, no, I want, to do it. I want to do it my way. I was looking this week and just to reference it in Acts chapter 27, Paul sees a shipwreck in his spirit. He's, he's on his way to Rome and he sees a shipwreck and he's, he's telling the guys, he's saying, guys, you know, you, you need to listen to me. I see that this thing's going to end up in disaster. And, and, and you've got to remember that he hears God's voice. In fact, he has visions on that boat and he's hearing God's voice. So when he's declaring, he's like the Elijah, he's saying, listen, you've got to do it this way. If you do it this way, you'll be safe. But it says this in verse 11, the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. How many of us sometimes will follow professional opinion rather than God's opinion? How many of us sometimes will say, ah, but hang on, it's it's far better to go to the popularity here. These people are the pilots and these are the designers. In April 1912, the Titanic sank. When that Titanic sank, do you know who went down with that Titanic? A man called Thomas Andrews. He was the designer architect to that ship. He went down with his own ship. Listen to me. Just because the world out there seems to have a bit of expertise and think they know everything about the world and the weights and the, the reason why you're here and they'll tell you all the conclusions of why you're here today and the reason for life. Listen to me. God only knows you. He made you. Don't listen to those who say they're experts because they are not God. Do you know what will happen if you do? You'll sink with your ship. You'll have a shipwreck. And people these days, what they're doing is they're saying, I want to reject God's voice because I want professional opinion. These, these things that the world is saying at the moment, I'm going to follow what they say rather than the God that you're speaking about. Because it sounds better and they seem to have this all together. But listen to me, if we follow people, we'll head for disaster. 1 Timothy 1.19, Paul charges Timothy and he says this, Hold on to the faith and good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered a shipwreck with regard to their faith. What is he saying? Hold on to the conscience. Hold on to that which God is saying. And just before that, he's talking about the prophecies he's received. He said, hold on to that. Hold on to it. Have a good conscience. Don't reject it, otherwise you'll suffer a shipwreck. And finally, as I come to close... Number three, God's voice creates a distinction for a decision. It creates distinction for a decision. I'm going to just read this again because it says in verse 23, Get two bulls for us, Elijah said. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Do you know what happens right now? What Elijah does? He brings all of these people to this place. And the two options, the two opinions are now represented in two sacrifices. He's got them to a place where the two opinions are upon two bulls. 
The two opinions are represented in two sacrifices. And he even lets them. He says, you choose the bulls and you set it all up. You do everything you want to do. You can choose. Because by the way, the bull had, had, had no, had no um, significance in the sense of you choose the bulls. I want to show whose voice speaks now. And so these two bulls are, are set up and ready. And by the way, both sacrifices looked similar. Both things looked very, very similar. But then, as we know, Elijah says, get four jugs of water, pour that water on, do it again, do it again, until that water's dripping off the side into the trench. And what does he do? He makes this sacrifice impossible to set fire. Now you've got a differentiation. He's saying this. You've got your two sacrifices. We could just leave it there. But I'm going to go the extra step now. And I'm going to wet this thing through with water. I'm going to saturate it so it's so impossible that you think, how crazy are you? Because I'm going to tell you, you might have all your followers right now. But I'm going to make myself look even more crazy before you. You might have all your followers and you're strengthened by everyone who's around you right now. But watch this, because I trust my God so much that I'm willing to wet this thing through. Some of you right now, you're, you're in a place where you're battling between what others say and what you believe. And let me tell you, you've just got to get into a place where you get things so impossible, you have to trust God so much that you lose all your popularity. Hallelujah. Come on. I want to lose my popularity as well as a camera. Come on. We've got to get rid of that. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Listen to me. When God instructs you, he requires sacrifice and trust. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust God that he's going to answer in your situation, your circumstance. Even though he asks you to do something, the commands, and you say, no, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work like that, God. No, do as I say, and then you'll see that I'll come through for you. Because what God's looking for is a heart that trusts. I don't know what you're believing for today, but God really wants to come through for you, and he wants to see you trust. Because the thing is, God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character. He's interested in building character in you. All these things I'm talking about are character building. You see, one altar was a popular altar now. One altar has 850 followers. He says that they were dancing around, cutting themselves. Nothing's happening. They were doing it all this time and nothing's happening. And they've got all the social media following. They're saying, why is things not happening? And Elijah is patient standing there. Sometimes you've got to be patient. Sometimes you've got to wait. Sometimes you've got to wait for the victory. Come on. Sometimes you've got to wait and trust God. And you want to step in and say, I want to show you now because it's not working for you. But he stands back and lets them see their own error of their ways of rebellion. You want to step in. But he doesn't. And he waits. They must have thought he was absolutely crazy. I've got something to tell you today. 2,000 years ago, a sacrifice was made for you. A sacrifice was made for you. And his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. And then when it happened, many who saw Jesus sacrificed would have said, this thing is crazy that you would believe that he can save you. 
Many would have said, this is just impossible that he could rise from the dead. Many would have said that what Jesus did was like that sacrifice with water dripping down. It's impossible. Yes, I believe he can die, but I don't believe he can come back from the dead. But I've got news for you, church, today. And I've got news for you, person, today who's here. And you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. That when Jesus died for you, that sacrifice had power. That sacrifice, even though it looked impossible, had power. And when God saw his son and he wanted you and me to respond and receive his son, listen what he did. Jesus rises from the dead. And it says in this story that that sacrifice, that fire came down from onto that altar and took all that water away and burnt the altar. When Jesus died for you, he died for you and fire came. The fire of the Holy Ghost. For you today. For you to live your life with direction of the Holy Ghost. But no, no, no. That, that, that sacrifice doesn't look like it's got much power. Do you know what the Bible says this? It says the message of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who have been saved, it is the power of God. In other words, when people looked at Jesus dying on the cross, they said, that's, that's, like, that's like a sacrifice with water on it. It's not going to do anything. But let me tell you, when Jesus died, the God who answers by fire came and his spirit came. His fire fell at Pentecost. And it didn't just fall for a nice meeting so that people could fall on the floor. It didn't, the the Spirit of God, the fire did not fall at Pentecost for people to just have a nice meeting, speak in tongues and then that's it. No, it fell on those people and it falls upon you today if you want it. To direct you, your path in life by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. See, Satan wants you to believe that that sacrifice of Jesus is insignificant and irrelevant to you. It is far from the truth to believe that. God has a plan for you. He's died for you. And he died and sacrificed himself for you. But was resurrected. And now the fire of the Holy Ghost is available to you today. The Father is calling people today. saying, will you receive my son? Will you receive my son? Will you receive who he is? on that sacrifice. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.